Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Goodness, Easter Sunday. For those who maybe came in during worship and you missed uh, my wife and I up front, uh, my name is Greg McKinney and my wife and I lead here at Glory Church and uh, we're not typically in a tent. This is our first time to have a service in the tent, but I'm, I'm honored that you guys would join in. But I do have something quick that I wanted to let you know. If you are visiting maybe for the first time, under your seat is a little connect card and the benefit of finding that under your seat is that we actually have a gift for you. Uh, It's Easter Sunday and we have this gift for you. Uh, All you have to do really just write your name, whatever you want. Maybe you want to be, learn more about Glory Church by the end of this. Uh, Use that card and you can turn it into where you got coffee or donuts this morning in exchange for a gift. And I'd love to meet you afterwards, but this morning, I am excited. I have five statements to speak to you, and literally just these five. We're going to talk through them, tie a nice bow on it, and then your kids are going to hunt for Easter eggs, all right? That's the plan, but I'm really fired up because these five statements are the reason victory, the reason Easter is real. The reason Easter is a thing that we celebrate, and so some of the kids were up here and were able to claim it, but I have these five things. All right, you're going to hear this over and over that Easter, we're talking about veils being torn today. We're talking about hearts being cleansed. We're talking about an inheritance that is given. We're talking about division being broken and beautiful thing. Are you ready? We're talking about a way paved. I'm going to say this again this morning. These five things. We're going to talk about a way that was paved. We're talking about veils that were torn. We're talking about hearts, the the ability for your heart to be cleansed, a division, dividing line broken, an inheritance given in a way that is paved. And that's what we're going to dive into this morning, but I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now that the enemy wants nothing to do with this. He wants you to constantly experience uh, doubt. Veils being torn, the ability to see clearly, to feel that you have a purpose, a hope. He wants doubt, a veil to be there. He wants you to believe with all, the, without any doubt that you have an impure heart. And that you're not, never going to be good enough. He wants dividing lines to still be rampant in our city so that racism occurs in great ways. He wants division to be there. The enemy wants us to doubt that we have anything good in store for us. But this morning, what we celebrate is that a victory occurred long ago and a veil was torn. Hearts were able to be cleansed. The the dividing line was broken and inheritance was given and a way paved. So we're going to get into this this morning because some of you, you need to realize that victory is real. Some of you, you walked in today and it's such a far, far thought for you. You have felt bombarded with finances. You've been hit again and again with relational problems. You have so many heartaches and pains. You have addiction. Some of you, you, things are going good, but it's not joyous. It's good, but it's not joyous. Can I tell you that victory is possible? And so we're diving right in, and I just need you to know the enemy does not want you to believe that veils were torn. And some of you are like, I have no idea what he's saying. What does the word veil mean? While others of you, you're like, all right, I know what a veil is. I get this. We're all going to meet in the middle. Veils being torn. 
Did you know that on scripture, in scripture, in Matthew, uh, it's beautiful, 27, this is the image. Matthew writes that at the moment of Jesus's final breath, at the moment when he breathed his last breath, the curtain hanging in the temple tore from top to bottom. And some of you have heard this before. Others of you are like, okay, well, what's the significance of that? Can I just tell you that for years, the people of God had to be separate from the presence of God. And constantly, have you ever felt like God was distant? That literally was constantly how it was. So God created this ordinance, and this is going to be confusing. But he literally told his people, wherever you go, I want you to set up a tent. All right, we got one. I want you to set up a tent. And literally the tent was 30 feet wide, which is what our tent is. And 30 feet wide, where do you go set up a tent? I, uh, we watched as the men set this tent up, and it took them two hours. I cannot imagine the people of God traveling with the tent to set up and tear down wherever they go. But on the back side, can you imagine with me uh, another further 30 feet that would go out this way? And that was called the Holy of Holies. And right behind me, unable to be touched and entered by any of us, would be a curtain, a veil. And this was what he instructed them. He says, you shall make a curtain that is blue, purple, crimson yard. Some of you are sewers, and you're like, I could take tackle that. Uh, fine twisted linen, and you should have cherubim on it. So an angel there, an angel there. Can you, can you make an angel right there? And it's beautiful. He says, you will hang it on four pillars of wood that is overlaid with gold, which will have hooks of gold, and will rest in four basins of silver. This is, again, expensive, right? You shall hang the curtain then under clasps and bring the Ark of the Covenant, which in Old Testament times, that was where the presence of God is. And behind that curtain, it will be. And it says, the curtain will separate for you the holy place where your people can worship from the most holy place where God is. And I need you to know that for the longest time, God wanted to be with his people. But because of our sin, he had to be behind of a veil. And now that's the direction, the way that it is. But it's interesting about veils because though veils are separate, though they create a separation, they also are the only means of connection. A veil, it might be a separation, but it would also be, it's the means of a connection. Let me explain it this way. Uh, some of you are engaged to, to be married, right? Odds are, because of our, our day and age, it's not in anymore to wear a veil on the, the face, like covering your face, right? It's not, it's not the in thing, but nine years ago when my wife and I got married, uh, we decided to do it. Traditional way, and, and some of you know, other men are like, what is he saying? There's a veil that's attached, right? Let me, let me explain, guys. And there's a little piece of it that flips over the face of the bride. The veil covers her face. And it's really interesting because at the end of the ceremony, when I was standing up here, my beautiful bride is coming, and I'm like crying. At the moment, what's going to happen at the end is, is the pastor's going to say, you may kiss your bride. But at this moment, when she's entering, the only thing separating me from that beautiful woman is that veil covering her face, right? But also, it is the only means of connecting to her. Think about it. When he's going to say, you may kiss your bride, that bad boy has to get lifted. It's the only separation that I have for her, but it's also the only means of connection. And that veil hung in the temple for centuries. And so if you were going to connect to God, you had to go through the veil. But guess what? You couldn't. It was, if I was the high priest 
only I could. And if my heart was not clean, cleansed, I would walk through that veil and I would die. They would hang a little, a little rope on the, the person's ankle so that if it, he took too long in there, they'd be like, all right, he must have sinned. And they would pull the dead body out. It's just crazy. Like the, the, the history of the Jewish faith, but the veil was torn. It, Matthew doesn't, he doesn't expect like, us to, to want to put the pieces together. He says that 30-foot veil, and it was four inches thick. Some of you who are crafters would be like, all right, I'm out then. Four inches thick? I can't do that. It was four inches thick, and from top to bottom, it split. Not by the man of hand, uh, not by the hand of man, goodness, but the hand of God. It was split. But if you remember, when I started this, I said veils were torn. Because some of you, you grew up hearing the story of the veil being torn, but can I tell you that that veil in the temple was only a, a shadow of the veil that was to come? Some of you are like, what is he saying? Yeah, I was dumbfounded. I love it when I can like study scripture and find like a new theological thing that I never realized. Well, this week, I did so in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is where we're going to be landing this morning because veils were torn, hearts were cleansed, and Hebrews is all about this. There was a division line that was broken, inheritance given, and on Easter, a way paved. But a veil was torn. And it's not just the one in the temple, but in a beautiful way. Hebrews chapter 10, I hope you can read it up here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up through us, for us through the veil, and he has us aside in the Greek, that is, through his flesh. And since we have the great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart, full of assurance and faith. Some of you, you glossed over it, and you're like, I'm tuned out, I'm quick. That, that was literally how I was for the longest time until I studied this and I realized that there is a parallel that the writer is making, because these are Jewish people, and there's this parallel that he's making with the word veil and the word flesh. That as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was the final veil. Now some of you are like, okay, cool. Now let me explain this. A veil's point is to separate and to connect. On earth, Jesus was literally the, the incarnate separation from God to man. You see fearful disciples and faithful Jesus, right? You see sinful disciples and perfect Jesus. He was the separation, the image of a separation of God to man, because in him, he was so perfect, and no one could on their own measure up to it. But it's really beautiful because a veil is not just the separation between uh, something, it's also the connection. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I am the way the truth, and the life. If you want to come to the Father, you have to go, what? Through me, the veil. Some of you need to realize that this is beautiful what he's doing. There was a system created where only one man, and it's not you, it would be the high priest could enter in the veil to talk to the Lord, to sacrifice an animal. But now through Jesus, we can enter in to the presence of God. It's this beautiful thing, and so on the cross, when his body bled, when his flesh was torn, the veil in the temple had to follow suit. It just had to follow, because the real veil was torn, and so the veil in the temple had to follow. It's this beautiful thing that right now, the separation of God to man 
was demolished. Now I need you to remember back to my wife and I. When the veil is lifted, that's not over, right? Because then the pastor looks at me. Do you remember Kate? When he looked at me and he says, you may, what? Kiss your bride. The possibility, when the veil is lifted, the possibility of connection is now made, but the person has to now make it. And this is the beautiful thing about Easter is the veil was lifted, his body was torn, the possibility of connection was made, but now as a groom, I have to now take the confidence to accept that connection. To say, I want it. Everything gone. Everything that's in the way is now gone. I want that connection. Veils were being torn on Easter Sunday. And a connection was made possible. But it's interesting. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth. And this is where I need you to know. He writes to the church of Corinth and he says that the enemy has veiled, blinded the eyes of non-believers. And the sad truth is that though that connection is possible, there is a veil, constant veiling of faces. The enemy does a really good job. I mean, this whole past year, we have seen good godly people turn very, very hateful on social media, right? This past year, you saw good godly people you thought were you were in community with now go a different direction and you're trying to have peace with them and trying to live in community with them. The enemy does a really good job of blinding us from the connection that has been made possible. And so this morning, if we're going to dive into the last four, right? And really quickly dive into the last four, hearts cleansed, uh, division broken, inheritance given, away paved, you're going to have to realize that maybe you have some veils that have covered your faces. And they're manufactured ones, ones of our own doing. Sometimes we, on accident, allow the enemy to blind us from seeing things. And so this morning, if you will, I got three things for you that are veils that we put on, coverings that we blind ourselves with, and then we're going to be done. Sound good? If you want to write this down, the first veil that we will constantly be be lured, tempted into putting over and believing that this is the right thing to do is the veil of legalism. Now, it's really interesting. As you see this, a veil, we don't put it, the enemy is very crafty. He knows, I'm not going to do anything that will make them think that they're, they're adding in something that will separate them from God. Because that would be stupid. Like, if I get them to try to, to try to do something that they know the end result of separation, they're not going to do. But if I can lure them into thinking that this is a great means of connection, then I'll get them to, to do it. And so though it looks like connection to have a veil of legalism, or some of you are like, I'm not legalistic. Another way we can say it is a veil of feelings. And some of you are like, those words, legalism and feelings, I don't, Pastor Greg, those don't add up. But can I tell you, they really do, because the veil of feelings teaches me that when I do good things and I feel good, then I am good. God loves me. That when I feel his love, I have his love. And the enemy wants like this to, to get us to believe that that source of connection is a good thing. So we start doing the good things. We get really instant, like uh, in, in, intentionally wanting to do the right thing, fearful that we're going to do the wrong thing. But the issue with this veil is I need you to hear this. My connection with God is not based off of the good that I do. 
My connection with God is based off of the blood of Jesus, and therefore the good things come. Did you hear that? Like, our connection with God is not based on the good things that we do or even the feelings that we have. Some of you, you feel distant to God when the worship music doesn't feel like you know it. You feel distant to God when it's not a song that you like. Because you have this veil of feeling that I have to feel God in order to, to feel close to Him. To be close to Him. But your closeness, that is what brings about the good deeds. In fact, the nasty side of this, and I need you to hear this, the nasty side is the enemy knows that the moment us, <laughs> the veil of legalism, I struggle with it. The enemy knows that I think I'm adding myself, getting closer to God. But really the moment I sin, I feel the most furthest away from him, right? That's because you are banking on the good to bring you close. And the blood of Jesus brought you close. And so the blinder is on and the distance is there. And some of you have stopped going to church because that sin is still happening. And God is like, but my cross made a way. And we forget this constantly. I wrote this down. The lie that is told to me, and I'm a, I'm a pastor and I try to, but the lie that's told to me is that the veil, from the veil of feelings is that I don't, if I don't feel good enough, and some of you can know this, some of you never feel good enough. But the veil of feelings teaches you that if you don't feel good enough, then you aren't good enough. The veil of te feelings teaches you that if you don't feel God's love today, then he's no longer loving you today. But can I tell you, on the cross, veils were torn. Hearts were cleansed. Some of you, you need to realize that your heart has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the thing that, that distracts you from this, and what you need to realize, is that a, a new way was paved. Can I tell you that your heart is not deceitful? If you're, by, if you're saved by the blood of Jesus, some of you grew up in Sunday school where you learned Jeremiah's word. The, that he spoke to the Israelites saying the heart is deceitful and wicked in all of its ways. The Lord tests the heart and mind. And, and we, we grew up thinking this. But can I tell you, that same man that spoke that to people who were living with a veil also spoke a prophecy of a new covenant where God would give us a new heart and that his word would be written on that heart. And we wouldn't have to guess which way to go. We wouldn't have to wonder what the right thing was because the heart would be changed. The most powerful thing that the enemy can do in your day is to think that every bad thing you do is this tick down from the closeness of the Lord. That's a veil of feelings and, and on the cross that was torn. But there's another one, and I'll tell you, this is something that we fall prey into, and it's the veil of culture. And the enemy, he knows what he's doing on this. If you want to write this down, this is the second veil. It's a veil of culture. And this one, the enemy thinks that if I can get them to, to view the things, the problems, the issues of the world, and allow that to be mixed in to what they're doing and what they're praying for with God, I can actually hurt their character. In the long way. In the long run. So I'll explain it this way. This past year of pandemic hit our world. And we watched as death happened. Pain happened. Fear happened. Opinions separated households. We watched 
as cries happened in our city. And we watched as, as huge cities were burning down with anger and racism and wounds were reopened and pushed. And you realize that we were not as far forward as we thought we were. All these things were happening and the culture was crying a whole lot of things. Crying for revenge, crying for freedom, crying for uh, justice, crying in the name of many things. And the enemy wants to say, I want you to take those cries and mimic them in the same way to your Lord. And we're like, okay, I can take that and I can speak the same thing to God in the same way. I want that kind of justice that they're speaking. I want freedom like they're saying. But what happens is we end up wanting the good things of God, but it distracts us from displaying the character of God. And so you may think you're connecting to him, but out of the disconnect, this is why you have seen very godly people do very hurtful things. It's because we want justice, but we forget that the blood of the Lamb has already made us and given us access to being able to bring justice. We want peace, but we want it like they want it because those are the voices that are being heard instead of believing that the blood of the Lamb has already given us the ability to bring peace. And so our cries mimic the world and our character then mimics the world. But a veil has been torn, hearts been cleansed, division broken. Can I tell you, the dividing line between me and you, if you're a believer, has been broken. That's the most beautiful thing. We always think of the division between God and man, but the division between man and man is broken by the gospel of Jesus. In fact, some of us need to realize when Paul says, do whatever possible to be in peace with someone, it's because Paul doesn't know if they're a believer, they can't have peace with you. But Paul knows that you are a believer. And if you have faith, we have, by the blood of Jesus, the ability to bring peace into this world. But goodness, when we forget that and want it in a different way, the enemy distracts us from what real peace is. So I, I thought about this. You know that you are living with a veil of culture when you attach another adjective onto your identity as a Christian. So I am a conservative Christian. I am a liberal Christian. I am an American Christian. I am a, a, a postmodern Christian. I'm a progressive Christian. I am anything else that takes the ways of the world and mixes it in with my identity of Christ. And, and the most damaging part of all of this is that you then think that is your ticket to freedom or victory or justice. But I'm a Christian. And the powerful thing is whenever we mix stuff like that in goodness, the enemy knows I've got them. I've got them displaying some character that is going to ruin God's witness, and that's right where I want it. Oh, I've got them displaying a character that is going to ruin God's image, and that's right where I want them. But the powerful thing is that me, I'm, a, I'm an American, yes. But I'm not going to let that adjective define how I interact with the blood of Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm not going to let, uh, let this adjective define how I'm going to act with the blood of Jesus because there's been a veil and torn. I don't see world through cultural lens. I don't see the world through this, this lens. And so I, it, it takes it a step for, forward. I'm also going to allow Jesus to then define every adjective. Because there might be some adjectives 
that he's going to remove. There might be some adjectives that he wants to take away because the veil was torn. The hearts, your heart has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Division has been broken. And so that, that cultural veil might need to be taken away. But this morning, I have the last veil for you too. And this one is the most hard aching one in my opinion. It's the veil of independence. The enemy thinks, if I can get them to believe, I like that this poll's here, I can lean on it unless this, I shouldn't. <laughs> Never mind. The enemy wants them, wants us to believe that if I can get them to think that their greatest connection with God is on their own, is in their prayer time. Their greatest connection to God is when they submit their sin struggles to the Lord and have no confession anywhere else. When I can get them to believe that the greatest connection they have to God is just them and Him, I can actually distract them from seeing the beauty of what real victory is. Because you remember, veils were torn, uh, right? Hearts were cleansed. There has been a division broken and an inheritance given. Paul talks about the inheritance of the saints. And I think like the most damaging thing to your purpose, your victory, your gifts, is your independence. Like the most damaging thing to your gifts is your independence. Because the enemy wants you to realize if I can if it's just me and Jesus, then there's no reason to really use my gifts for the benefit of what really Jesus is all about. His kingdom. And so this is a huge divide in our churches, and so our relationship with the church is very messed up sometimes. The veil of independence has got us getting in and going out. Glory family, if you remember, uh, I explained, like, sometimes we view church like a membership to Costco. Do you remember that? This is that. Some of you, you have a membership to Costco, and, and you treat the church just like that. In other words, this, you go in, you get what's good for your family. You get what is needed for your pantry, and then you leave. And you don't talk to anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone at Costco. I don't want anyone looking at me because I just want in and out. And some of you, your relationship with the kingdom of God is just that. In and out. I want what I want. I want the worship to be good. I want to fill my belly with the truth, and then I'm leaving. Because it's for me and my family. It's a veil of independence. But the inheritance given to the saints is one of real forgiveness that often can only be experienced in community. The veil that is, or the inheritance given to the saints is one of real victory. And can I tell you, victory is displayed in community. It is displayed when you live out life together. Victory is displayed as you realize that my sins, like I realize that I'm forgiven, but when I speak them to another believer and they say, wow, I see God in you, that gives me victory. But so many times when we are independent, the enemy knows if I get them to connect with God through this independence, then the separation comes when they feel like they are distant or lonely. Depression calls. Anxiety happens. I'm constantly doubting what is next. I don't know if I really have a purpose. What is my gifting? And the enemy can keep us here. He blinds us of what has already been given already been given if you are a believer in this tent then there is a purpose given to you Paul writes this he writes 
that uh, all of us with unveiled faces, he literally says this in 2 Corinthians, all of us with unveiled faces are able to see the glory of the Lord as though it's reflected in a mirror. And all of us, not individually, all of us together are being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to the next. Sometimes we want to be like Christ, but we try to do it on our own, and we end up being like Greg. Like, right? Like, I end up being like me. I try to be like Christ, but I want to do it on my own. I will only be like me. Because Christ cannot be divorced from his church. And so, all of us are being transformed when we do it together. Do you know that you have a way paved before you? God died. Jesus died so that that could be paved. Jesus made a possibility of connection. Let us take <laughs> off the veils that we manufacture, veils of our own making, veils that the enemy has lured in. And some of you, you need to realize that it has caused you to be isolated for far too long. Can I tell you something I'm really excited about? Next Sunday, we are going to be back in person, and we're going to have our own space. And I'm really excited about it. And there's not going to be any setup and tear down. Like, it's going to be ours. Some of you are like, I have no idea what's going on. Did you know that we have a group of people who have constantly been on schedule to set up church for us? Because we've been doing a, a pop-up kind of thing. But we have a home. And what I'm really excited about is we are talking next week about the love that you give. Have you ever seen the movie The Hate You Give? Or heard about it? Yeah, I didn't either. We talked about it in staff. It's this, this picture of when relational pain happens and Jesus is not there, only more relational pain happens. But by the blood of Jesus, the division lines were broken, and so now we have the ability to give love. And so we're talking next week. If you, some of you, you felt isolated, we're talking next week of a relationship series about your friends, the way you engage with people. Uh, we're going to talk about some past sins of connection. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about how to honor God with our marriages. Don't worry, we'll have we'll have kids class, so your kids won't hear it. All right, um, but we will get into that, and I'm really excited. Because the division between husband and wife was taken care of by the cross. In a most beautiful way now, the Holy Spirit resides in me and my bride. And so there's this level of connection that we can experience. And so we're going to dive into what real relationships are like. But this morning, I just want to press in. What is the veil that you need to remove? Because the cross did it. But what is the veil that you're like, I'm not putting on culture anymore? I'm not putting on feelings anymore. I'm not banking on how good or bad I feel today to determine how close God is. I'm not, I'm not banking on this independence. I'm going to lead and live a life that's in community with people. What is your veil that you need to rip off? And others of you, as we close this morning, maybe it's just the fact that Jesus is standing in front of you. And like a groom and his soon-to-be bride, you are realizing that the connection to God, everything that has separated you in your life, and you don't know him, but everything that was separating you from real peace, everything that was separating you from real hope, everything that was separating you from a purpose has now been lifted. And all that's left is the possibility of connection. I know it's a strange little metaphor, but some of you need to lean in. You know what I mean? Some of you need to realize that the veil was lifted 
And your bridegroom is right there. So as we end this morning, I want to walk with you through that. Everyone in the room, can you just bow your heads where you're at? There's someone who's realizing, I don't have a connection with the God of the universe. I came to here, to this place, hoping to feel something. Because I just want the right answers with life that I keep messing up on my own. And there's someone in this place who in a very clear way has realized what Jesus has done for you for the first time. And you're realizing the separation when you feel like you're praying to a wall and it feels like God isn't hearing and you ask him to help you with this and it feels like he's distant and you just are confused. You're now realizing that maybe it's because the possibility of connection was there, but you never gave your life to it. You never said, Jesus, have my help. You never believed that he was really ready, able to give you victory. The Bible says right where you are, you can do it now. So if that is you this morning, you can literally repeat words after me. Say something like this, Jesus, I'm realizing for the first time what you did for me. I felt lonely. I have felt overlooked. But God, with clarity, I see that you are here and I want him. I want that peace that he's talking about. I want that freedom that he is speaking of. I want it. And I will tell you, if you just prayed something that simple, you know if you meant it. Scripture says that all of heaven all of heaven cheers because of what you just did. So God, right now, I pray that we could be a church that constantly says no to the veils that the enemy wants to put on us. Constantly says no, says I know the real Jesus and he has paid it all that I can just enter the Father as I am, enter the life with the Father as I am. And God has shaped me, changed me, he has renewed me. I don't have to say, say, say this or that to make him love me more. And so in that confidence I walk, like the writer of Hebrews, God, with, with assurance, with a heart sprinkled clean, with a heart made pure, we come to you. Because you cleansed us, renewed us, given us a way to walk. Pray this in your name, God, and for your glory. Amen. Glory family, as we end this morning, under your seat is a little communion pack. I think it's really fitting to do take the Lord's Supper together as a uh, church on Easter. And so if you would like to take part in that, you can. As, as Dalton talked about, it's this beautiful moment when Jesus says, this is my body given. You can say, this was my veil torn. So when you eat of this, remember me. And when you drink the cup in a minute at your own time, you don't have to rush and do it now. This is his blood that was shed, making your heart cleansed. So God, we honor you this morning. We worship you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.